when I am alone, when I'm hurting, I will put my hope in him. When I'm struggling, I need help. His word will guide me. When I cannot go on, when I'm lost, His grace will be enough. For when I am weak, then I am strong. I'm so glad you chose to be with us today. God has a powerful word of hope for you from his word today. I heard a story the other day about a little girl who was asked to pray. The family had a whole bunch of friends over for dinner. Everyone was gathered around the table and they asked their daughter to pray. And the daughter said, mommy, daddy, I'm not quite sure what to say. She was a little nervous. So they said, well, just pray what mommy prays. (laughs) So she said, dear Lord, why did I invite all these people over for dinner? (laughs) So we're talking today about the times when what we pray for happens and the times when what we pray for doesn't happen. You know, I have gotten to be part in my spiritual journey of times where I've been with a group of people and we have prayed for healing and we've seen God heal people. In fact, in this very church, we've seen people who had cancer and the MRIs were clear and the chemotherapy was scheduled and we laid hands on and prayed for and then they went in and their next MRI, the cancer's not there. Uh, We hear stories like that. We see God work like that routinely and I've seen that. But I wanna talk with you today about the times when we pray for that healing and it doesn't happen because that does happen in life. And God brought you here today. I don't know what pain is in your life, but there's some issue that's in your life and God wants to speak comfort to you through this whole five-week series. We're gonna go maybe a little deeper than some of us have gone before in a weekend service like this. I wanna share with you some stuff that has just changed my life and my prayer is that you'll grab onto it by faith and that you'll see the same results that I have. So the issue we're dealing with today is this issue very simply, the times when God doesn't heal you. And I'll start by sharing a personal story about this in my own life, a time when I was diagnosed with a medical condition that I actually still have. You wouldn't know it looking at me most days. What happened was right after I left journalism, I had worked as a reporter for a number of years. God called me to be the pastor of a little tiny church in a retirement town up in the mountains of Arizona. We started with about 40 people and one year in, we were up to maybe 120 or 150 people. 
And I was a December morning and I'd been encouraging all our people, please invite your friends and neighbors for Christmas, hear about God, we want to tell everyone about God and we were so excited and it was right before the service and I started to have some odd neurological symptoms. I started to see these spinning wheels of color, half of my body started to feel this tingling, my tongue started to feel like it was tingling on one side and you know I had seen God heal people through small groups that I had been a part of. And so I asked the elders of that church, guys, will you gather around me? Let's pray together. I have faith. I know God's gonna heal this because God's got a plan for today. He wants to use me to teach his word. So we prayed in faith. I had so much faith. And I stood up on that tiny little stage. I had a little lectern and I started reading my sermon notes and I thought I was doing a good job. But everyone was looking at me really funny. Like funnier than usual. Funnier than you guys are looking at me now, okay? And I started to listen to what was coming out of my mouth and while I was thinking words in my mind, what was coming out was these strange slurs. And some of the guys kind of escorted me off the stage, took me to the emergency room. While we were on the way to the emergency room, that numbness turned into just this severe burning, just kind of agonizing pain. And I ended up having all the symptoms of a stroke. Um, My... One side went completely numb and then through the pain. And the really scary part was when we got to the hospital and then it went on for a few hours, it wasn't just that I could not speak words, but I could no longer even think words. It's a a really odd place to be and it's hard to describe. But you're awake, you can see out, you understand what's happening to you. But I couldn't even think, I didn't know my name, I couldn't think any words and those stroke-like symptoms went away after about a day but then I was hazy for a couple days started seeing a neurologist and I got diagnosed with this really rare subset of a migraine called a hemiplegic migraine and for the next two or three years I learned to live with a condition that is completely unpredictable it can come at any time and as they started to get worse I started to pray for healing My friends prayed for healing. My church prayed for healing. And I was able to function in many ways, but God did not give that full healing. And in fact, some of the episodes, they started to occur more frequently and more severely. And there was a real turning point for me emotionally in my struggle where the, you know, what would happen is after I'd have one of these episodes, I'd be mentally hazy for a couple days. Well, I started to have some where I'd be mentally hazy for like two or three weeks. And I could still show up at meetings and no one else knew, but I couldn't get up and speak like this because my words just weren't functioning quite right. And so I went to my neurologist and I said, hey, what's going to happen as I get older? You know, I've been kind of in the prime of my life biologically and these things are getting worse. And he said, well, there's really two options. Either we're going to figure out how to handle this and it'll start to get better or we might not be able to and it'll get worse. And that started for me a season of anxiety that I think some of you will relate to because when it comes to our thorns in the, fe- in the flesh, our physical problems, our emotional pains, there's the present pain but there's also this uncertainty about the future. And in my case, that was being a breadwinner for my wife and my kids and thinking, okay, everything I've ever done for a living, whether I was a journalist or now as a pastor, is with words, and now I have a condition where, unpredictably, I lose my ability to even be able to think in words, let alone write them 
or speak them. And so it drove me to try to answer this question in scripture. What can you do when God doesn't heal you? What can you do when God doesn't heal you? And I don't know what parts of that story you might relate to today. Maybe you relate to the physical sickness. Perhaps you have cancer or another disease that you've gotten a diagnosis, MS or COPD or something else, and you've been praying and God hasn't healed you. Maybe you relate to the anxiety part of it, to the emotional pain that's in your life, and you've prayed that God would heal you emotionally or restore a relationship. We all go through ups and downs emotionally in life, and maybe you've just been in one of those downs for so long that you're starting to think, maybe I'll never get back up. Maybe emotionally I'm never gonna wake up and have a good day again. And you pray and you ask God to make it better and so far it hasn't happened. What can you do when that happens? Well, because I was experiencing this, it drove me to study scripture, not to just find a theological answer. You see, I was at a place in my life and maybe you're there where I wasn't gonna settle for a bumper sticker answer or a little Hallmark slogan or something that sounded kind of cute. I needed something that would actually work in my pain, in my anxiety, in my disappointment, in my fear. And I'd like to share that with you today. So if you have a Bible, turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 12. This is one of these odd scriptures that you wouldn't think God would have put it in the Bible because it's not what you'd expect God to say. But if you'll open your mind to it and your heart to it, you'll find that it's incredibly powerful. And the context of this passage is one that I resonate with because Paul the Apostle's writing and Paul is a guy who had placed his faith in Jesus and when he did, he completely abandoned his career. He completely abandoned his life. He even got a new name. His name had been Saul. And he was well off and he was well known. And when he met Jesus and Jesus called him to follow him, Saul left everything to follow Jesus. And then life got really hard on the human level. And sometimes in our lives, we choose to follow Jesus and we experience inner joy and inner peace, but all of a sudden our circumstances start to fall apart and we think, I thought this following Jesus thing was gonna make my life better. And sometimes to get to better, we have to go through difficult. And I related to Paul in this passage because I had left behind a life of success and other things that, you know, really I was trying to follow Jesus and abandoned a career to follow him. And I knew I wasn't perfect, but I was trying to do his work and I was trying to do his will. And then this thorn in the flesh came into my life. Well, Paul had the exact same situation, though even more dramatically than mine. And here's how he describes it, starting in verse seven of 2 Corinthians 12. Paul says, there was given me a thorn in my flesh. Now this word flesh is the Greek word for your body. So what Paul was going through involved physical pain or physical sickness. And if that's where you are today, this passage applies to you. And then Paul says this, what he was going through was a messenger of Satan sent to torment him. Very interesting. And so Paul's suffering was not only physical, but it was also spiritual. There's actually in the unseen realm a, a spiritual suffering, a spiritual attack that is against Paul. And then Paul uses this word torment, which is an emotional word. So maybe you're here and what you're going through is not something 
physical like cancer, but it is something emotional, whether it's anxiety, depression, a broken relationship, whatever your thorn in the flesh is, it's covered in these categories. And here's what Paul says in verse eight. Three times I pleaded with the Lord, please take this away from me. If you're a Bible circler, you might circle the words three times because the idea to a Jewish writer like Paul of saying three times, it may include the literal number three, but it's much more than that. It's the idea of completeness. It's the idea of Paul having a number of these prayer sessions with God. And we know from other passages, Paul describes wrestling in prayer, agonizomai, the Greek word from where we get our word agony. Paul talks about agonizing, wrestling in prayer. So when Paul says that he pleaded, we know this was not a casual ask. Hey God, would you please take this thorn away? This was intense. And we know that it wasn't just a brief ask, it was completed. That's the idea of the three times. He's, he's going to God three times. In fact, as we keep going through this I Am Strong series, we're gonna see that Jesus, who was God among us, he has felt our pain to such a degree that Jesus had a thorn in the flesh, multiple thorns pressed into the flesh of his scalp when he wore a crown of thorns. Not only that, but the Greek word that Paul uses for thorn is uh, actually a word we would translate as steak. Not a ribeye, not a ribeye steak, but like a tent steak, okay? And Paul says these thorns in the flesh, they're like steaks that impale me. Well, Jesus can relate to that too, can't he? Jesus had three such thorns in his flesh. And very interestingly, the night before Jesus went to the cross, fully knowing what was coming, he prayed in agony to the Father in the Garden of Gethsemane. In fact, he tells his disciples, my soul is overwhelmed to the point of death. So Jesus relates to your emotional pain. But what happens is three times, Jesus asks the Father, Father, if there's any other way, Father, if there's any other way to redeem humanity and buy humanity back from Satan's control. Father, if there's any other way, every one of those individuals I love so much who've been ripped away, if there's any other way to gather them back to you, any other way than the cross, Father. Three times Jesus pleads with the Father, let this cup of suffering pass from me. And ultimately Jesus says, not my will but yours be done, Father. I will trust you more than I trust my pain. If you say there's a purpose for it, if you say there's redemption from it, if you say there's power through it, then I will surrender to it. And Paul does the same thing. Three times he pleads with the Father to take it away from him. Does he get the answer that he wants, the answer that we want? God gives him a little bit different answer. When I think of Paul pleading with God, I think of Moses. In the book of Exodus, Moses and God will have these conversations. And Moses is submitted to God, he's reverent, but he also has this confidence that, you know what, God, you've called me, I'm your child. And there's some places where Moses says, hey God, you're telling me to lead these people, but unless you come with me, I'm not going. And we know from Paul's prayers, Paul had that same kind of confident relationship with God. You can have that kind of relationship with God. So I imagine Paul, when he pleads, saying, Father, you know I'm trying to do your will with my life. I'm trying to serve you. I'm trying to do the right thing. And God, I really don't think this thorn in the flesh is going to help accomplish the plan. Please take it away. 
I had a very a, a lighter situation of this this last week. Uh, you can imagine a building this size, a facility this large, what the monthly costs are on things like utilities and upkeep. Well, I got a call from our staff member who oversees the facilities this last week, and uh, he explained to me there's a thing called a chiller. It's like our air conditioner. And it's necessary to keep the temperature right. It works with the boiler. And it had a life expectancy of 15 years. It's 16 or 17 years old. It needs to be replaced. Okay, how much does a chiller cost for a building this size? <laughs> yeah, you guys are getting the idea. Okay, it surprised me because he said, well, the first estimate is $500,000. And I went on a walk. <laughs> you know, we have a reserve fund. It's in, you know, there's reserves there. But I went on a walk and I was like, Lord, I'm like two or three months in. <laughs> We've got a reserve fund, but no, no. That's just too much, okay? And, and you know what is great by God's grace? On Wednesday, saw another staff member in that department and the staff member said, uh, hey, I've got good news and bad news. Bad news is it still needs to be replaced. The good news is we've got another quote and it's down to $200,000. And I said, thank you, Lord, for $300,000 windfall there. And uh, so I thought I'd mention, if any of you have had a windfall lately, you might just want to write a little... <laughs> little Chiller check, okay? That would be okay. That would be okay. But you know, there's times like that where we just say, God, I, I don't think, you know, I trust you, but no, I don't, I don't think this is how it should be. And that's essentially, and, and by the way, you can do that. You do it with a heart that says, no matter what, God, I submit you to you, no matter what, I trust you. And, and, and I have to think that Paul pleading, very much like Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, if there's any other way, let this pass from me. He pleads with God. And now God's going to give him the answer that he didn't want, that I didn't want in my life, and maybe that you don't want in your life. And it's this. God says to Paul in the second half of verse 9, my grace is sufficient for you. I'm going to let this pain stay in your life and here's why. Because my power is made perfect. Not through your strengths, not through your highlight reels, not through your great accomplishments, but actually through your weakness. You see, there's this idea in scripture that God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. And all of us in our human identity, we've got this like a tent fabric over us of pride and ego. And there's some healthy sense of ego and healthy self-confidence, but when our pride gets in the way, it actually blocks God's power from coming into our lives. And what God says to Paul is he says, I didn't send the pain, Satan did, but I'm gonna allow it for a season because it has torn a rip in the fabric of your pride. And through that tear, my power can enter your life in ways that it couldn't without that tear, without that pain. And Paul, it's not because I've abandoned you or forgotten you, but it's actually because I have great things to do through you that I'm gonna leave that tear open for a while so that my power can enter your life. You see, there's a quality and quantity of heaven's strength that can only enter your life through the tear of pain and of weakness. 
God's allowed me to write a, a couple books. Sometimes I'll write an op-ed for USA Today or some other places. And there's certain people who think that's special. And one time I was sitting with a, another pastor and he said, John, how do you stay humble? And I said, I don't stay humble. <laughs> I think God knew if I had the choice that I wouldn't. So he didn't give me the option. <laughs> I wake up every day knowing that at any moment, my ability to speak, my ability to write can be ripped away from me. And I don't know what hypothetically, I know it in experience. I've experienced it dozens of times. And so it's not like if you see any humility in my life, it's because I'm some great person who chose that. God has allowed circumstances that don't give me too much of an option. <laughs> And, and in the same way, God says to Paul, Paul, it's because I want to do great things in you and through you that I'm going to use this. See, we tend to think, well, God can use me in spite of my weakness. But what this passage is teaching us is God actually uses you because of your weakness and because of your pain. And some of you are here, remember Satan is the accuser of the brethren. He's the enemy of your soul. And when you go through pain, he whispers lies to you. And when you go through pain, he'll whisper something like, well, God's forgotten you. But that's not true. God had not forgotten Paul. Satan will sometimes even whisper things through well-intentioned Christians who haven't really read their whole Bible. And they'll say, well, if you had enough faith, you'd just be healed. Well, sometimes enough faith does heal. But you know what? Paul the apostle is about as much faith as you can get. And he didn't get healed. So sometimes you're not healed and the problem is not your faith. The issue is that God has a plan and he has a purpose and you actually have an opportunity to experience his strength. So some of you are here and God brought you here today because you just need to know God has not abandoned you in your suffering. You're not suffering because God left your life. You're not suffering because God forgot about you. You're probably not even suffering because God's punishing you. You're suffering because back at the beginning of creation, this enemy of our souls, Satan, who came to kill and steal and destroy, he planted a seed of death and destruction called sin. And just like a tree, that seed has grown up and it has spread its roots throughout human history. And all of us are born with DNA that's broken because of sin. So we will all get cancer or things like it and die eventually. Not because we've done anything wrong in this life, but because of what we've inherited in this world and because of sin in general. We will all feel brokenness in our relationships. There's brokenness in the very planet Earth. The tectonic plates, the weather patterns are broken because of sin. And what God says, if you look at Genesis to Revelation, is that he came into the world to redeem and to deliver us out of the brokenness. And so the bottom line is this, Satan wants you to think that God is the author of evil, but Satan is the author of evil. God is the one who will deliver us from evil. And sometimes that deliverance doesn't come as immediately as we'd like, but when that's the case in your life, don't give up on believing that God is for you, that he's with you, and if you'll turn to him with your pain, he will deliver you in time. You see, the biggest question for you to answer with your pain is this. Will you turn toward God with your pain or will you turn away from him because of your pain? Where there's pain in your life, will you, like a child with a broken toy, say, God, I know you're good and I bring it to you. 
And if he doesn't fix it right away, you know he's gonna fix it eventually, but you trust him. Or will you say, God, how could you allow this toy to break? And you turn away from him. I've seen people go through on the human spectrum of pain, what I would call smaller level pain. Not that big of a thing, but they turn away from God because of the choice in their own heart. And I've seen other people go through the highest level imaginable of pain and turn to God with their pain and see God do something miraculously in them and through them. In fact, I've got a friend I'll tell you about next week. She's been in a wheelchair for 16 years. She was in an accident that severed her spinal cord, completely paralyzed from the waist down. Sadly, right after it happened, a pastor, a misguided pastor told her, if you, if you just had enough faith, you'd be healed. And she spent about the next three or four years living under false shame and guilt, thinking that she was the problem. But she kept turning to God with the pain. She pushed through that. And I asked her, because she told me, she said, John, if I could go back and change that accident, I wouldn't. Because I used to look beautiful on the outside and be fit and healthy, but I was insecure on the inside. I didn't know who I was and I didn't know where I was gonna go for eternity. Now, my body's broken, but on the inside, I know who I am and I am secure and I know where I'm going for eternity. So John, if I could go back, I wouldn't change the accident. God can do in you, if you will turn to him with your pain, things that will never happen in your life without your pain. So God makes this promise to Paul And here's how Paul responds in verse nine. Therefore, God, if you say that your power comes into my life through my weakness, well, then I'm gonna boast gladly about my weakness and my weaknesses, plural. Why? Well, because God, if you say that every weakness is an inlet for your power, then your power is really gonna fill up in my life because I've got a whole bunch of weaknesses. Paul believes God, this unbelievable promise, Paul chooses to believe God. Now, we don't know from the way this is written, did this take him a month to get to this place? Did it take him a year? In my life, it took me about two years to get to where I could really believe this verse. I understood what it meant about the first month I started studying it, but it took me about two years of pushing in and continuing to say, God, help my unbelief, strengthen my faith, help me to actually believe this, to start to fully see it. And I wanna encourage you all throughout this series, when you learn one of these deep truths and you say, okay, I think I get it, but I don't know if I can do it, be patient, don't give up, hang in there. I doubt that Paul got it overnight. Maybe he did, but he had strong faith. I sure didn't get it overnight, okay? But don't give up. And so then Paul says this, that is why, for Christ's sake, now I delight, I get excited about weaknesses, plural, I get excited about insults and hardships, persecutions and difficulties. So these are all different categories of suffering, weaknesses physically. Insults are the ex-spouse or business partner, the person who has slandered your name, who has done unjust things to you. Hardships we all go through in a fallen world. Persecutions when people are against us. Difficulties is the kind of last catch-all of every pain or suffering or problem that we will go through in this life. And then Paul says this in summary, for when I am weak, then I'm strong. 
So now you understand why our series is titled, I Am Strong. It's not about if you just try harder, be smarter, be more disciplined, do more, jump a little higher, you can work your way out. It's if you will bring your pain to God, you can experience his strength in your weakness, just like Paul did, and just like I wanna share with you from my life. So what's our summary of our text? Very simply this, if God doesn't heal me immediately, then he has something better for me. If God doesn't heal my child immediately, then as unthinkable and hard as it is, he has something better for my child and my family. If God doesn't resolve the broken relationship immediately, then if I will continue turning to him, somehow he has something even better. We don't see it and that's why it's called faith. We believe the promise of God even when we don't feel it, even when we don't see it. I wanna give you four affirmations. And really what these are is answers to this question. How could Paul believe this claim of God? I mean, let's be real with the text, right? Let's, let's poke it and prod it a little bit. Paul comes to God with this physical pain and emotional pain and God says, no, I'm not gonna heal it right now because I'm gonna work good through it. But remember, this is not hypothetical. Paul is living in torment and agony. How can he possibly believe this promise of God? How can you? How can I? Well, here's the first reason why. Affirmation number one, because I know that God will heal me in time. I know that God will heal me in time. Paul knew this, and this is why Paul could believe, this is why Paul could accept no for now as an answer, because Paul knew it wasn't no forever. In fact, if you are taking notes, you might want to write down 2 Corinthians chapter 5, seven chapters earlier than where we are right now. And it's in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 that Paul explains the way that he views life and its reality. And it's this, that this life on earth is a very short temporary precursor to a very long eternity. If you think of the previews before the movie, that's kind of what this life is. And Paul got that. Paul understood how long eternity is. Not only that, Paul understood that because he was a follower of Christ, because he had placed his faith in Christ, he was going to have a pain-free eternity where there are no thorns in the flesh, where there are no tears, where there is no divorce. Paul actually, in 2 Corinthians 5, he describes your body and my body and his body as tents, like a camping tent. And, and essentially what he says is this, because of sin and what Satan did to planet earth, all of these tents are gonna wear out. And so what happens is when our faith is small, when we don't see eternity, when we think this life is it, then when we get a tear in the fabric of our tent, we go to God for a patch. And sometimes God gives the immediate healing. And where you needed an organ transplant, now all of a sudden you don't. You had cancer, now you don't. Great, it's a patch on the tent but you can only patch a tent so many times. And what 2 Corinthians 5 says is that all of us have been born into tents that are infected by sin and so they're gonna wear out, but God is preparing for you a mansion essentially, a, a house not built with human hands that will be for all eternity. Scripture calls it your glorified body. In other words, your soul is eternal. Right now your soul is contained in a body that is mortal. 
no matter how much faith you have, you look at the Christians in the New Testament who had so much faith, they still died. Because here's why, God has a better plan for you than to live in a tent for your whole life. In fact, think of this winter weather, the cold, the wind, the rain, the snow, and imagine living in a tent in your front yard. That's what this world is. And it's all we know, so it's home to us. But we go to God and we say, God, keep patching my tent. Keep patching my tent. There's rainwater coming in. And sometimes he continues to patch, but he says, I love you too much to let you live in a tent for eternity. So even though it's a little scary to you eventually to move out of your tent, I'm going to move you out of your tent eventually. And you're going to wake up in a glorified body, 20,000 square foot mansion that's insulated, okay? And has a chiller that works. <laughs> and it's one of those parenting things where sometimes with your kids you say no for now because I love you. No, because I have something better for you and they don't understand it. And it's that way for us with God. But what Paul knew is he said, Paul couldn't see eternity, but by faith he knew the time's coming when God will heal me. The time's coming when I'll wake up in a glorified body. And guess what? Your glorified body is never gonna get cancer. My glorified body's never gonna have a hemiplegic migraine. And you know, for 30 or 40 or 50 years, I might wake up and some days think, I really hope I don't have one of those today. But you know what? For thousands of years in the next life, I'm never gonna have that fear. One of Satan's weapons that he uses on us is anxiety. A lot of times what we're going through is bad, but what's worse is our thoughts about the worst case scenario of what it could become. And in my case, what I was going through was bad, especially in those first years as I was learning to handle the condition and manage the condition. But what was worse was my fear of the future. I would lay down at night and I'd have this image in my mind of what if these get so bad that I'm in a wheelchair and I can't talk, then who's gonna provide for my wife? Who's gonna provide for my kids? And that was the real paralyzing anxiety for me. And as I studied this, and as I grabbed onto this, here's what I realized. Even if that happened, if your worst case scenario happens, it's temporary. This is the worst it's ever gonna get for you in all of eternity because of what Christ did on the cross. This is it. In all of eternity, this is the hardest stuff you have to go through is right now in your tent. And you're gonna wake up in a glorified body that doesn't get migraines, that doesn't have cancer, that doesn't have MS, that doesn't limp, that doesn't get zits <laughs> or wrinkles. You can eat as much sugar as you want in heaven and you'll not gain any weight. It's gonna be awesome. And so our real hope, you know, Jesus said in John 16, verse 33, he said, in this world, you will have trouble because of what Satan has done to this world. But take heart, I have overcome the world. In other words, as a Christian, because you've placed your faith in Christ, your greatest hope is not for healing in this broken world. Your greatest hope is out of this world. I was thinking about this this last week. I was praying for you guys and just saying, God, please help these truths to get through. And I was thinking, you know what? I'd never realized this before. Genesis tells us that Jesus spent seven days creating this heaven and earth that we experience right now. Seven days creating the universe. And then Jesus, 2,000 years ago, left and he said, I'm going to prepare a place for you. Can you imagine? Elsewhere he said that when, when he returns, he's going to melt down this earth 
and he's gonna take us to the new heaven and the new earth. He spent seven days on this one, and it's pretty cool when you think of the Grand Canyon and waterfalls and beaches. He spent 2,000 years working on the next one. I think it's gonna be pretty awesome. I think it's gonna be pretty cool. Paul could accept God's no for now because Paul lived with this mentality. Paul could sacrifice his wealth in this life, his popularity in this life, his comfort in this life, anything, because he knew these are just the previews. The movie's gonna be a lot longer. I'll put up with some lame previews for a really great movie. Let's say this together, it's temporary, okay? Yeah, one more time, let's say it's temporary. All right, way, way to go, guys. I didn't even lead you very well on that, and you still did it, so way to go. Hey, affirmation number two, God will use my pain for a purpose. Not only do I know it's going to end, but I also know it has a reason. If God allowed it, it has a reason. We'll see this later in our series. We'll study the life of Joseph. And God did not put Joseph in a prison. God did not make Joseph a slave. Those things were done by other people who meant evil for Joseph. But God says, what others meant for evil, I can turn for good when you surrender it to me. And in this text, it says that Satan is the originator of Paul's thorn in the flesh. God wasn't the author of that evil, but God is a God who can work good from evil when we hand it over to him. And so if he allows it to continue, if he doesn't heal it immediately, then it's because he has a purpose to do something bigger than you could imagine. One of my favorite examples of this is a writer named Corey Ten Boom. If you've never heard of her, her last name is spelled like the number 10, T-E-N, Boom, B-O-O-M, Boom. Corey Ten Boom was a Christian who lived under the Nazi occupation. She was Dutch. And when the Nazis invaded the area where she lived, they started persecuting the Jews. And as a follower of Jesus, she knew not only that it was inhumane how the Jews were being treated, but also that the Jews are special to God. And she started to hide Jewish people in her home at great risk to her own life. So the Nazis started hauling Jewish people away to these concentration camps. Corey and her family and friends of Jesus followers start to hide the Jewish people in their home knowing that if they ever get caught, they'll go to the concentration camp. Well, the day came when Corey did get caught and she got sentenced to a real concentration camp called Ravensbrück. And you can look all this up. This is all proven in history. And Corey survived for a couple years in that concentration camp in just unthinkable suffering. I mean, you want to talk about a thorn in the flesh, these cold, cold winters with no heat in these barracks. Um, You've seen the pictures of the concentration camps and how emaciated and malnourished these prisoners were. Well, Corey writes about finding God in her pain. Incredible books. If you're looking for something to help you through, read some of Corey Ten Boom's material. And she tells this one story about a time when the barracks that she was in had fleas and so on top of the cold and the beatings from the Nazi prison guards now she's getting bitten by these fleas and she and her sister they pray and pray that God will take these fleas away and God says no for now and they can't understand why I mean God really we can't take anything more but they get smuggled in this little copy of the Bible fragments of the Bible that they would hide under their whatever they wore, pajama type things. 
And these little copies of the Bible, they started to have Bible studies in the back of their barracks. And these Bible studies, the word of God started to give them perspective and peace and power. And it was the moment every day that all the women in the whole barracks would look forward to was this Bible study in the way back of the barracks. And they couldn't figure out because they weren't allowed to have the Bible. They couldn't figure out why the guards never came in and stopped them from having this Bible study that gave them peace and purpose and perspective And then one day they overheard from the guards and they realized the guards won't go into the barracks because of the fleas. It's the very thing that they're praying that God would take away that was allowing them to have some peace and perspective. And God sees a bigger picture than we do. If he doesn't take it away, he does have a purpose. Affirmation number three is this, God will sustain me in my suffering. God will sustain me in my suffering. Not only is it temporary, not only is there a reason, but also you're gonna make it. Okay, you're gonna make it. You might not feel like you're gonna make it. You might not feel like you can go another day, but God promises to sustain you. He says in his word that he's near to the brokenhearted, that he upholds those who are crushed in spirit. When you can't stand anymore, just collapse onto him. He will sustain you. He sustained Paul. He sustained me through the most dramatic times of my agony and suffering. He will sustain you. He will carry you safely to that finish line. Affirmation number four, I will experience power when I trust God with my pain. I will experience power. Okay, so really any one of these you could grab onto in your suffering and it's enough, but you get all four of them together and you've got like four handles. I don't know if you guys have ever seen that TV show called Wipeout, where they have all these obstacles for people to run over and there's all these like handles they hold on to on spinning things, but it's all like muddy and greasy and the people keep falling off. And in my suffering, each one of these affirmations is like one of those handles. And I think God knew I needed more than one. So he gives us four today. And we're gonna see a lot more in the coming weeks. It's temporary. It has a reason. You're gonna make it. And not only that, fourth, not only are you gonna make it, but if you'll keep turning to God with the pain at the heart level saying, God, I give this to you. I wanna believe your promise that your power is made perfect in weakness. You will start to experience a power in your life that you never would have experienced without your pain. This was true in Paul's life. His thorn in the flesh came very early in his ministry. And then God used him because of his pain, not in spite of it, but because of it, God used him to write most of the New Testament, to write the scripture that's speaking to us today, the scripture that has given me peace and perspective, and to plant most of the churches that became global Christianity. So Paul didn't just make it, Paul had a way more significant life because of it, and the same is true for you. And for me, I mean, my example is much, much smaller than Paul's. But because of what I've shared with you and the condition that I have, it drove me to study this in scripture. And it was because of studying it in scripture that I started to write down what I was learning. And this series is based on a book that I wrote about it called I Am Strong. And I say this because, not for you to get the book necessarily, but because I want you to understand this Now, not because of me, but because of my pain surrendered, 
Tens of thousands of people have read that book and have connected to God in their pain. And so every month now I get letters and I get emails from people I will never meet in this life who say, my child died in a car accident or I'm an alcoholic or I just got diagnosed with MS or my mom just died of cancer and I didn't think I was gonna be able to make it. I thought God had abandoned me and someone gave me a copy of your book and now I know that God's for me and I have a purpose in life and now I go around handing it out to other people. Why did that happen? It never would have happened if I didn't have a thorn in the flesh. Never would have happened. And, and you may see it in this life. Sometimes you don't see it in this life. But just as much for you, if you will say, God, I don't believe it. I told you it took me two or three years to work through it, okay? But you say, God, I, you just don't give up, okay? Don't give up. Keep turning to him with the pain, even when it doesn't make sense, even when you can't believe, even when it hurts, you just keep turning to him and eventually you're gonna see God's power work in you and through you in ways that never would have happened without that pain. Well, I wanna close by giving you hope and uh, I'm gonna summarize what we've learned with something that'll make our CPAs and our engineers excited. Here's a Bible truth as a math equation, okay? Here it is, but we can all understand it. God's strength plus my weakness is greater than my strength plus no weakness. And here's where this gets real. Next to this greater sign, I would encourage you to write in what your weakness is. God's strength plus my hemiplegic migraines is better than my strength without any pain or suffering. God's strength plus my cancer is better than my strength with no cancer. God's strength plus my divorce is better than my strength and no divorce. God's strength plus my loss is better than my strength without loss. That's what we're learning. Does it sound unbelievable? Yeah, I told you we were going deep in this one, okay? And if you don't believe yet, that's okay. Hang in there in the series, don't give up. But I'm here as living proof that it works. Paul the Apostle is much more inspiring living proof that it works. Next week, I'm gonna share with you a true life story of that friend of mine who's been in a wheelchair for 16 years and you're gonna see from her life that it works. God wants you in this series to taste and experience that he will sustain you in your pain, that it's temporary, and if he allows the temporary pain, there's actually a purpose far greater than you could imagine. Can I pray that for you now? Father, across this room, Lord, I just pray for hope. I pray that you would strengthen our faith where it is weak. I pray that, Lord, I pray that every person in this room would just not give up. Lord, you don't ever fold your arms and say, toughen up, why are you so weak? You're near to us, you comfort us, you're patient with us. And Lord, you are delivering us out of this world. You will sustain us in this world. Not only that, Lord, you have a purpose for our temporary pain and you have power that we can experience through it. Lord, I just pray across this room, would you help our unbelief plant seeds of faith in our heart today that we would believe in you not only for the forgiveness of our sins, but also for eternal life, for strength in this life and for power and purpose even in our pain. 
Lord, as we take communion here in just a minute, we wanna connect that it's because of the cross, Jesus, it's because of what you did on the cross that we know whatever we're going through is temporary. It's because of the cross that we know our pain can be repurposed for good. So Jesus, we meditate on that. We thank you for the cross. We pray it in Jesus' name, amen.